Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Hey, before we get started with today's show, I just want to draw your attention to new merchandise. Funkin' Stuff and Truth and Rhythm designs are in, and they look pretty darn cool. So show your support, help support the program, and show off some stylish merchandise and apparel. Only at the Funkin' Stuff store. I was just curious about Marva because she was on the show. One thing she was saying in her experience with doing a lot of sessions, vocal work, mm -hmm. was that uh, she encountered like some kind of cutthroat mentality among some of the people that try to get those spots. And she was making it sound like it's sort of like, you know, getting tossed to the wolves or something with some of those situations. So, but you're making it sound a lot more easygoing. So I'm wondering if you encountered any sort of, you know, jealousy or, you know, I don't know, unpleasant situations in, in trying to get work or people being mad that you got a particular session that they wanted and that kind of thing. Read my book that's coming out. The difference between, for me, was the culmination of that after like 35, 40 years began to wear on my joy of continuing to do it. And I was like, okay, so I'm just really repeating myself. But that was part of it. Oh, are you kidding me? I've, I've experienced all of that. I've experienced people that um, I called myself sewing into their vision and, hey, Lynn, can you come and do a session with me? And, uh, you know, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I have a lot of money, but I'm gonna give you $150. And then at the end of the session, oh, well, I'll mail it to you and not ever getting in my money, Marva King, you know? So, I mean, you have to be careful not to be part of that as well, you know? And I don't talk about that because I don't want to glorify that. But in the book, I break it down because I want people to know what the good and the bad about the journey and that you can rise above that and still you know, be successful and, and, and leave and, and have fun and leave a really rich, wonderful legacy. And I think part of the legacy that I want to leave is 
um, being very transparent about some of the things that happened to me. And I, I want people, you know, the young people that are coming now, up now to learn from it and that you really can move with integrity even though people around you are cutthroat and you're calling them on gigs and then all of a sudden you're not on the gig and you're wondering how come you're not contracting the gig that they are now contracting because they got on the gig with you and they were behind the scene passing their number to, you know, Rick James or whomever, you know, and um, before you know it, you're kicked out and they're contracting and they're calling their folk. Oh yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, unfortunately. But you know, for me, I'm all about the music, and this show is mostly about the music and not about that kind of exactly. thing. But what, but when it came up, though, I found it interesting because it's not something that I dwell on personally that much. But it's interesting to just kind of get that kind of perspective too. Yeah, I mean, when you're talented, and uh, Marva was a pretty girl, and you know, and and so. You know, I think there's beauty in everybody. You know, I'm not saying she was prettier than anybody. Everybody just, you know, if you're not looking, if you're just doing what you're here to do and you're honoring your gift and you're doing the gig instead of worrying about competing with this other person and this person singing this with such and such and you're not getting enough attention. I'm, I just didn't have, to, I've never had time for that. I, I don't participate. And I think that's why I got a lot of flack too, because I was always, I'd rather be over here by myself than to be part of that. So I got called Queenie and uh, you think you said, yeah. I think that I'm better than to behave like that towards another woman you know another why you know and so my circle now you know with Paulette McWilliams and Cindy Mazel and I have some powerful women powerful vocalists established vocals that worked with uh Paula's worked with you know Luther everybody Cindy's worked with you know, Steely Dan, and and we don't compete. We just encourage, and we love each other. It's like I a think that's the way it's supposed to be. Female background singing support group. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, solidarity. Um, yeah, but, man. You know, there's some East Coast royalty like Audrey Wheeler and Tawatha. Man, we love each other. We get we give mad respect to each other. But you have to respect yourself first. If you don't respect yourself, you, you can't respect anybody else. If you're insecure, then you're going to move differently than we move. And we don't move like that. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can, I never uh, have moved like that. Um, well, in general, though, would you say it's a little more challenging uh, working with female artists as, as the star versus working with male artists? Definitely. Men don't trip. Yeah. That's what I've heard. They do not trip at all. No. How was it working, uh, continuing with some of these uh, that I highlighted with uh, Anita Baker? I loved Anita. Anita was always so 
transparent and real when we worked in the studio, you know? I liked Anita. She's a strong woman. And um, she knew how she wanted her music to sound on and off stage. And uh, the business is, is not easy on women, you know? They wanna label you if you're um, authoritative and you know what you wanna do. And, you know, it's like, look at uh, Team Marie, man. Nobody was doing what Team Marie was doing when she was doing it on a level. She was doing it writing, producing, playing. Yet she was, you know, was she being paid what she was supposed to be paying? Was she living like she should have been living? You know, I don't think so. She's one of my all-time favorites too. I think she's <laughs> tremendously yeah. overlooked for how incredibly talented she oh was and multifaceted. God. Yes, and no, no woman especially was doing what she was doing. And a lot of men were not doing it like Tina was doing it. She was producing and writing and playing instruments on all of her records, her hit records, thank you, you know? So she's pretty amazing to me. Yeah, in, in a very compact package too, she was yeah. dynamite. And I don't, you know, I don't think the music business was very kind to her, you know, the business part of it. Hmm. Gone too soon for me. Well, I hope things are improving in that regard. In the business? Yeah. Hmm. I, I would hope. I'm always hopeful. <laughs> you got to be hopeful, right? Man, there's no music business anymore. You know, this music is whack out here. You know what's up. Come on. I mean, well, there's new artists that are coming up now that are fabulous. They're bringing back real music. I don't understand how 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 people like uh, George or uh, uh, um, Jeffrey or Denise, well, they should all still have record deals. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? But I think it's just about money and marketing now. It's not about talent, is it? Well, no. I mean, ever since um, sometime in the 80s, probably, it started going very awry that way. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to bring up Phyllis Hyman. Oh, I love Phyllis. I was so very honored to be able to work with her in the studio too. And um, she looked like a queen standing next to you in the studio, you know, with her crowns and her presence. She was incredible. She was, she was kind to me, you know. She had sort of like a regal air about her. You, know, you talk yes. about Diana with the sophistication in her yes. regal, yeah. And I remember standing next to Barbara Streisand and singing on her record and she's standing right next to me. And I'm like, oh my God, inside, right? And she was just so sweet. She was more enamored with 
with our talent and our presence than, you know, than having that air of I'm, I didn't get any of that from her. I never understood, you know, why people, um, women that are comfortable with themselves and they're powerful, how come they just can't be that? Why do they have to be type casted and talked about and called certain names that we're not going to say on the radio right now, but you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. She was, not- she was wonderful. See, but that's because you have to be comfortable within yourself. Yeah, she's another one that learned somewhere along the way that she had to pull herself like back out of the situation so she could, you know, control the narrative herself. Yes, yes. I've been complimented by women that um, I've always admired and fashioned certain parts of my being. And Diana Ross was one of them as well. And she complimented me in my voice and that voice should be on the radio and I want you to be in my production company. And, um, you know, I, I sometimes there's, there's, there's people that you don't even expect to be working against you, <laughs> you know? Um, I can't wait for this book to come out because there are some jewels in this book. And um, I think until, you really know who surrounds you. And when you're just starting your, your career and you're going up, be, be very careful of who you share your dreams with and who you share certain information with because you expect them to be as you know, happy as you are about it. And it doesn't go down that way everywhere. Mm. that's Uh, real that's just real there are alliances there are very few real friendships people make alliances to work you know I mean there are times where I wouldn't hear from people and then if I have a a commercial out all of a sudden the phone would be ringing not how you doing but girl what you doing (laughs) Now, how are you doing? Where you been? You've been on tour? To the... so Ulterior motives. Now? What you doing now? Oh, you know, all those what you doing people, they didn't last in my world, in my circle. Love you, but I love you from a distance. You know, love you. Sheila E., you came back and did some work on her record. My girl. We grew up together in the George Duke Band. Are you kidding? If I wasn't down here, I was always up north with Sheila and Moms and Pops and Petey and Juanito and Zeke. You know, they're like, they'll always be family in my heart. Always. So you got the Southern and Northern California connections. Yeah, I did. You know, we don't really hang out much anymore, you know. Um, That's life things change some friends are forever friends we'll always be sisters in spirit i love her you know um 
And uh, we grew up in the George Duke and experienced that together in Marvin Gaye's tour. And, you know, Sheila was bam bam for me. I, I didn't see that you worked directly at all with Prince, but right in that time frame, the Sheila E. record and the Tevin Campbell, they were both sort of like Prince associates like during that early 90s. Well, because, frame. and thank God for Quincy Jones, I was able to, I worked on a lot of Quincy's projects. Thank you, Quincy. <laughs> and I got to work with, um, Kevin Campbell, who's just such an amazing talent. Like one day after we sang on his record, I just had to go to him and say, you are so special, you know? And um, because of Sheila and going up to Minneapolis, I went to the complex and I'd been to Prince's house and I met him and I got to sit in on the rehearsals. And But I can't say I really knew Prince or had a you know relationship with him or anything. What impression did he leave on you? He was a powerful man, powerful little man, talented, and and um, he would say some things around you, give you messages. Like he wouldn't say them exactly to you, um, but I heard him. I heard, you know, I heard him. I seen the book too. Um, I think that when you're a prince or you're Michael Jackson, it's hard to suss out who's who at the zoo around you. You know, it's a it's a it's it's a delicate situation because some people look like they're really in your corner, and you know you got to know where the energy comes from from God or not you know and um sometimes the the come up when they come up to you and want to be in your world and they and you sing cool sometimes it's a setup look at Nipsey also we're not gonna go there <laughs> I love Nipsey man he was special and I think he scared a lot of people, you know, because he was so special. I think, I don't understand why people don't protect that kind of specialness. I think you mentioned Aretha as an influence and you got to work with her, right? I did. Aretha, wow. It's like, what can you say when you speak on Aretha and Shaka Khan, except they're icons, they can never be duplicated. Uh, just amazing souls and their stories are amazing. You know, everybody talks about their talent, but what they overcame, what, circ what circumstances they rose above, that is what my book that's coming out is about it's more of a testimonial and how to do that and how to do that with dignity and and unfortunately during that journey you're going to learn some really hard painful truths about people that you really love 
And Shaka, you toured with. I don't know if you recorded with her at all. No, Shaka, amazing. She revolutionized vocals. Yeah, I my mean, number one right there. Shaka on a bad night is better than everybody else. <laughs> her voice is like a horn, an instrument. Just she's amazing. But, she was one of my influences too. How could I ever leave Shaka out? I thought I was Shaka Khan when I was younger. When I went to go audition with George, my, my hair was Shaka Khan. You know, when I did my ad living for him, I was hitting him Shaka licks and notes and <laughs> yeah. What was she like to interact with touring? She was so down to earth and uh, normal and um, sisterly and kind, you know, and people like that, I think like with Marvin and Shaka's and Mike, you know, you're, you're always concerned about the kind of people that we, we attract as artists, you know, but especially them as, as celebrities and, you know, on the level that they're on. I, I just always feel, I always felt protective, like, mm, then to be careful of that person, or, you know, mm. but it's their journey. You just be the right kind of person to them. Yeah. It must have been fun to sing those songs too with her. Kidding me? What a great catalog. Can you imagine? I was singing with Shaka Khan. Still blows my mind that I can pick up the phone and call one of the members from Earth and Fire. He's my big bro. Or, you know what I mean? I can. It's just, it's amazing to me. <laughs> I set the, I, I sat right next to Minnie Ripperton and watched a show that we went to go see uh, a fellow artist and artist sing. And I knew that she was battling cancer then and I was sitting next to her and I was fighting back the tears and the, feeling of just wanting to wrap my arms around her and hold her. Mm. I kept my cool, I was cool, but inside, uh, I was not cool. I was like, oh my God, I'm so many women. Oh my gosh, she's beautiful, oh my goodness. You know, and I'm praying, God, please let her stay, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, so sometimes, sometimes like, like I knew that this was my path, but, I walked away at the top of my game in the late 90s and because I just wasn't having fun with it anymore. And, and, you know, I love it that people didn't know what happened and, you know, you hear all the talk and everything. I don't care. <laughs> They're so silly. <laughs> you know, uh, God has, we're not just here to be narcissistic and think about just ourselves and 
promote, you know, we're here to serve as well, you know, at least it is for me. Just a couple other people I want to mention, um, Mick Jagger. He was so sweet. He's still he going. Was... I hear he's running around like he's a, you know, 30 year old. He was the bomb. He was the bomb.com. And he was so cool and thought it was so funny that I was calling him Mick instead of Mick. I really thought his name was Mick. <laughs> And he didn't care. I mean, he kept, he was just, and then I realized why he kept laughing and smiling at me because it was like, you know, can you imagine how people um, are so fake because, you know, oh my God, oh my God. And, and, you know, I was, I'm just always myself. That's why I love who I love. I love Philip Ingram. He's always himself. People that I love are genuine. Paulette's always herself. She ain't trying to be nobody else. We move like we move. And I was honest about it. I thought, I didn't know. And it's his uh, friend finally said, darling, his name is not Mick, it's Mick. And, <laughs> and uh, he still gave me invitations to all of his parties. And I went and it was lovely. Was that My life has been a dream. It's been a dream come true, you know? Was that produced by Rick Rubin? Do you remember? Or who? Do you remember that sounds produced? familiar. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I can't remember. And then Luther, you got to work with also? Did I work on Luther's record or did I work? I know that I sang in the studio with Luther, but I think it was for like Paul Jackson's project or something. And then I sang with him like on a live show, a BET thing or something. And um, during sound check and he stopped us and turned around and I was like, oh Lord, please don't let him say anything about my vocal. <laughs> and he didn't, thank God. But, um, cause you know, for me, Luther is the vocal king. You know, he hears everything. And he wants his stuff a certain way. You can tell that by his presentation and the people that he had singing with him, Fonzie and Lisa Fisher. And oh my God, I mean, their presentation was just so flawless and the sound. So I'm kind of like that about blending and the sound vocalist singing together. I'm real funny about that. So I knew Luther was going to be like that, you know? Did Byron connect you guys? Because I know he played with Luther a long time. No. Oh. That connection was uh, through, I, I think, Paul Jackson and George. You know, it's, this, it's a people business, you know? So eventually people, you just run into each other. Yeah. You worked with Mariah? Yes, I love Mariah. Oh, that's my girl. That's another one. Songwriting, producing. She hasn't gotten the props that she deserves, man. As 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 having all you know, uh, possessing all those hats and handling her business. You know, people just want to talk about what they want to emphasize. 
I see you, Mariah. You're a bad sister. I have nothing but love and respect for you. Yeah, I love Mariah. Uh, worked on a lot of her records with her producer, called us up north a few times. She's amazing. Met her brother. You know, good people. And Whitney, got a chance to work with her? I didn't. Says, uh, my love is your love. I, I, Whitney wasn't present when I did work on um, oh. a, a We Can't Make Miracles and all that. She wasn't in the studio. I would love to uh, met uh, and worked with Whitney. Uh, she's like, for me, like Shaka and uh, uh, Aretha Franklin's so many tried to emulate Whitney, but baby, there's only one Whitney Houston. She was amazing. She's amazing. This business is not easy on women. So you talked uh, earlier, Lynn, about George Duke pointing out she, he, she could he could tell that that was like your sound, basically. I wanted to know, well, how would you describe your signature and your sound? What is the, what is Lynn's sound? Airy, sweet, emotional, so, uh, airy, sweet, emotional. Is there any genre outside of R&B um, or funk that you really feel at home with that you gravitate towards besides those? Contemporary Christian. Um, not so much gospel. I mean, I love gospel music, but that's not like where I feel it. I feel it more. Um, on contempt five. And when I'm when I want to relax and chill, you're just not gonna believe what I listen to. I listen to country and western. <laughs> and my grandmother and I used to write country and western songs. I have some a book of her lyrics. And uh, she always wanted me to go country and western and I said. I don't see any black women in country and western, no Grammy. You know, that would be cool. I love yeah. western. Why yeah. is that? You know, didn't stop. You know, Ray Charles from doing what he wanted to do way back when. Maybe I'm a believer in just a lot of people try purposefully. I'm gonna do a country and western. You know. Just do what you feel. I mean, just do it because that's what you're feeling. Don't do it to try to, you know. You know, it's, this is what I really didn't like about the business. It's like, if they didn't have anyone to compare you with, well, uh, uh, could you um, kind of put a Whitney Houston thing on or kind of sing it like, you know, could you be a little bit more soulful, or, you know, sort of like, you know, 
That's that. That's whack. Just be yourself. If it's, and if what you feel that you want to do, if somebody, somebody is, somebody in the universe is gonna dig it. You know, if Jimi Hendrix was trying to be somebody else, we never would have known the the, the majesty of Hendrix. You know, just be yourself. That's a big part of the challenge now. I think is there's actually a lot of young people out there that are very talented musically, but they're just uh, replicating like maybe YouTube videos and things like that and mimicking rather than finding all, their own voice, you know? They all sound alike, you know, yeah. and they run on every, like stop, sing the melody, go listen to Jeffrey Osborne, might learn something, you know, <laughs> the value of sing the melody and then every now and then do little riffs and everything they don't care they don't care about who they're singing for they're just just promoting themselves hmm. what? Grand <laughs> <laughs> what um would be your favorite one or two or couple give you a couple um recordings that you were ever worked on oh that's so difficult okay you know I loved working with Patrice and all that and uh, George of course so let's talk about it outside of that um I loved singing with Daryl Coley on a Stanley Clark production of Rodney Franklin Love is the Answer that was so much fun I loved uh the Soul Mission record that never got the props that it should have gotten with Tata Vega, Grady Harrell, myself. That was so soulful and so much fun to do. Um, well, so you're mentioning it right now, people listening and watching, they can <laughs> get some new attention. So it's good Go you... get it. And uh, I remember working with Michelle Colombier and walking into the studio and he wanted me to sing a little segment of... Um, um, to to no, that's I'm embarrassing myself because I'm trying to think of this classic artist's name, um, Johnny Mathis. And there was just a little segment on this song. Um, it was called The Journey. And um, I said, I wonder if they want me to sing this like do a Denise Williams thing and George will tell you I can't be anybody else but myself and I did it and I remember Michelle going hmm well hmm. and he lived with it for a minute <laughs> but I thought it was absolutely ethereal and beautiful this song and now when I sometimes go on YouTube and I listen to it I go ah oh, he had to, he had to end up loving that because I loved it. Mm. Those are some of my favorite moments. And singing the duet on tour with Steve Lynn Morris. Oh my God. Be careful, I might ask you to start scatting. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was what, magical. Was there any other memory from the road that just really stands out? Maybe, you know, it could be anything, something funny, something tragic, something exciting, anything? I particularly loved when I was singing with Yanni um, because I was a little older then and I realized the beauty of all the different countries and stuff that we went to. And I really began to go and explore. And um, oh, this was great. Um, the other vocalist friend, Logan, myself and Linda Evans, we uh, took a hike into the Malaysian rainforest in our shorts and bathing suits. And the guy, our driver, he was all in his suit and he got out of the Benz and was like, oh my God, I better go with these ladies. They don't even know, this is a rainforest. So he went with, <laughs> he took off his jacket and said, okay, let's go. And we went to the top of the waterfall and a lot of people in the orchestra and the band were, had gone to the bottom of the waterfall and you never do that because that's about the leeches and everything. They were coming back to the hotel with leeches and stuff on them. It was like, ooh. But we went to the top and we had this incredible experience. And I remember Linda Evans saying, okay, look, we're gonna do this, but we're, we can't go in with any fear because we don't wanna attract any weird animals or insects or snakes or anything. We are just gonna embrace the environment. And we were all like, Yes, most definitely. Yes, you know, Linda and I would read books and give each other books. And so we were kind of on the same wavelength there spiritually about this journey into this rainforest. And my sister, of course, afterwards was like, are you crazy? Do you know that they have disease in the rainforest that they don't even have a cure for? We didn't care. And we got to the top of the, and I got into water and just, and Linda said, start singing. And I just started singing and I started noticing these little things in the water. <laughs> and I saw a little, I'm not gonna even go there, but uh, get on my body. And I was like, okay, time to get out of the water. <laughs> but that was major going into the rainforest. <laughs> yeah. So wow. I didn't see any snakes because I would have freaked out. So that was like in the early mid 90s? Uh, yes, I think so. And I, and I particularly loved working in Japan with Toshi Nobu Kubota, even though it was major culture shock. You know, I don't think they understood how different it was for us to live, to leave our culture that was so diverse and to spend 10 months in a very proud, beautiful culture, you know, not a negative thing, but being very real about it. Like after two weeks, you're like, oh, I, I need someone. I need to listen to some English on television, you know? <laughs> so whenever anybody would come, whenever, my friends like Dorian and Daryl Finistine and stuff would come in town with Michael. I'd be running to the hotel trying to see him like, <laughs> an American. <laughs> how, how long did you stay there consecutively? I worked in Japan for about two years, like 10 months out of a year. 
And um, it was not easy. I made great money. It was wonderful experience and stuff. And the first time when I went by myself was very enjoyable. And then it got problematic when you start trying to bless other people that didn't really uh, have your back or appreciate what you did. It's a lot of opportunist in the music industry. Yeah. Um, I got to go to Japan once, visited, and uh, mm -hmm. it was a trip going there for me because I'm a big guy and everything's so small there. So little. Me too. Yeah. You know? You know, I could buy, I could still buy some Issey Miyake clothes in those days, you know, before I started gaining a little weight here and there. <laughs> But no shoes. <laughs> I, I, I'd fly to Japan right now just to get some ABC ramen. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta like seafood if you're gonna stay there, that's for sure. Oh my god, you have you end up knowing the restaurants, the ones to go to, the Korean restaurants, the Indian restaurant, garlic house, and ramen. Everything else, mm. You know, that has some Epsom salt. <laughs> now you can sing. I read you can sing in in Japanese and Italian. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. So you can speak it too, or just no lyrics? Or I went to Berlitz for a year, and my teacher never spoke English to me. And language is such as if you don't use it, you lose it. So I lost a lot of it. I still remember a lot of words, but you've got to continue to speak it on a regular basis. And I, after not working there in Japan anymore, um, after I tried to, um, you know, be a vehicle for some other people in the business to go there, people do things like, you know, if you charge 1500 to do a, lead vocal and nothing less and then they come and go I'll do it for 750 you know it's like god dude you know don't you get it you know and so wait till you read the book so I can say <laughs> all right well let's 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 talk a little bit more about that so how long have you been working on the book when's it going to come out what's its story you know, I'm really not trying to push it by bringing it up. I just don't want to give everything away. But um, it's more of a testimonial. I thought it was going to be a memoir. I did not want it to be um, a tell-all. That's not what it is. It's really my testimonial of, yeah, I did a lot of wonderful things in this business, but there's no testimony without a test, baby. And there were many tests. And there were many um, things that were meant to destroy you and your spirit and your joy. And eventually I walked away because I had enough. It wasn't fun anymore. And plus I did that. So I'm repeating myself. And um, so the book is called Above Circumstance. And I'm, 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 I tried to be gracious enough not to you know, 
expose people by name, but just by occurrences. It sounds like it was cathartic for you. It was. It was. Because I was a bit depressed when I walked away, you know, and that's when you really learn who really loves you. Because some people are like, oh, because she's gone, I can work more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you didn't hear from people for a decade. They didn't even call and check on you. Like, wow, that was deep. You're a commodity. Did that. Mm -hmm. To some, not everybody. Talk about all that in the book. Yeah. So when do you think it might be available? Well, this COVID thing keeps messing stuff up. But um, I was talking to a friend on his birthday the other day. Um, Hi, Philip. <laughs> and he said, okay, what's your time frame? And I was like, oh, okay, now see, that's a friend. And I said, okay, the end of the year, by the end of the year. You know, because I think COVID just kind of took us all into another space. It's just, well, I want to, I have to live. I've got to do this. I've got to prepare. I've got to stay healthy. You know, I wasn't thinking about, oh, I've got to finish my book. <laughs> Yeah. But now I am. I'm in a different space with it now. It's like life has to go on. And this is not for the promotion of Lynn Davis, but this is something that God really wants and that people really need to know. And I think that I love seeing more people be more transparent about what they've gone through, you know, um, like our actresses. I, I love Taraji and, and um, Monique and um, the other sister that talks about, you know, uh, what she went through when she was um, uh, raped. And, you know, those are not difficult things. To, those are not easy things to talk about and to, be, and to share. But I think we have all grown up and come to the realization that, you know, we're here um, not just to receive, but to serve and to also um, help people navigate um, certain ground that we've already navigated. Whether we did it okay, poorly, moderately well, or very well, baby, we, we, went, we came through. You know, and I think that uh, a wise man, a wise woman will learn from the experiences of others. But how can they learn if you don't share your experience? So that's where I am. Well, good for you. I look forward to seeing it and reading it and maybe come back on once it's out and we'll talk a little more. I would love that. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for, for sharing all those great memories. And thanks for all the good music, you know, above everything. I can't take credit for it, really. I just honored my gift from God, you know, and grateful for George for being, for opening that door, you know, to people that would know 
Lynn Davis. Yeah. When are we going to have a chance to hear? You said some of the music that had not been out is going to be accessible. Well, we're getting it together now. I don't want to release it during the winter times. Not the the best time for. And I want to do it right. And the guys that I'm working with, Dennis and Matthew, oh man, but they're like writing country and western for the for artists and country music. They're they're balling, man. I mean, these guys. Um, do you know the song Maniac? You know, Dennis co-wrote that uh, with Michael Cimbello. He's, he's, and we always, we always had this natural brotherly, sisterly, musically, musically something. Like, he's like my brother from another mother. I, I just love him and Matthew. And uh, Symbiotic, is that the uh, word? Yeah. Yeah. Simpatica. And I think they knew that I was going through a lot then when we were trying to, I wasn't ready for a record deal then. I think God protected me by not letting me get that deep into the music business and sign a deal. And especially now it's like sign your soul. <laughs> That's not for me. Yeah, keep the soul in the music, not in the deal. Yes. Hello. Oh, say that again. Keep the soul in the music, not in the deal. Mm. Definitely look forward to um, the book and hopefully the music in 2022. Thank you. Thanks, I Lynn. just want us to all stay well. Take care yes. of yourself. You too. Faith, not fear. Mm. You know? I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven results-oriented professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the one.